Welcome to a new episode of 49ers Talk on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your hosts, 49ers insider Matt Mayoko and 49ers host Laura Britt. This is 49ers Talk brought to you by Big O Tires and Laura after a brief trip to the East Coast. Not scouting. Well, actually, yeah, it was kind of scouting, to be honest with you. It's good to be back in California and gearing up for the draft, which at this point is only two weeks away. Wait, what are you scouting? What are you talking about? You'll be there in uh, approximately next month with your children. That's how it seems. Uh, Oh, colleges, of course. Colleges, yes. And so I was back in New Hampshire, of all places, and uh, met up with uh, some people who um, potentially my daughter's uh, future roommate's parents Wow, and, big weekend. Yeah, and you know how I explained to them? Well, they kind of knew what I did for a living, but I told them, uh, are you Patriots fans? Yes. Do you know Tom Curran? I'm kind of the Tom Curran of uh, San Francisco. That's a, that's a good way to explain it. it is, yeah. It's always a little awkward when people are like, what do you do? Yeah. I, I work in sports. I just keep it very general, and then they, you know, then it, you chip away at it a little bit more. So I, I meet these people, they're Patriots fans, and uh, the, the, the dad apparently had the sons, you know, any questions you have for the guy who follows the 49ers. And so he tells me this, and so I'm not sure where this is going. I'm thinking because they're Patriots fans, it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo related. But he hits me with, I'm supposed to ask you about Gio Carmazzi. Oh, the the goat farmer. The the goat farmer, yes. So of, course. of all things that I was to be asked about, it was the uh, the quarterback from Hofstra, actually a Sacramento area kid, who was drafted by the 49ers in the third round of that draft. Yes, the same draft where Tom Brady went in the sixth round with the 199th overall pick. Uh, Gio Carmazzi went in the third round with the 65th pick quarterback. And that didn't turn out so well. And as you mentioned, Laura, he is now apparently, this might be urban legend, I'm not sure, but apparently he's somewhere in Northern California raising goats. We should really look into that. We should. We should. Um, That could be a good field trip. it, It would be a great field trip um goat cheese goat's milk i mean we could yeah now we're talking is uh cashmere is that made out of goat's hair now we're getting outside of my area i stick to food okay food well i stick to football and so here is the cautionary tale of uh the draft back in 2000 giovanni carmazzi was picked 65th overall tom brady picked 199th overall and people who say wow the patriots you know they what a great move picking tom brady and absolutely it was a great move to pick you know besides joe montana of course the greatest quarterback in football history but i I remember reading i think it was bill belichick's book or there was a book about bill belichick and i'm pretty sure it was scott pioli who was the general manager, a de facto general manager at the time. And I think I recall this, that he kept a photo of Dave Stekelski on his desk as a reminder. 
Do you know who Dave Stekowski is? Not the goat farmer. No, no he's not the goat. Well, I don't know. He could maybe, be. Maybe so. Maybe on our field trip, we'll find out. Yeah. So Dave Stekowski was a tight end from Boise State that the Patriots took in the fifth round of that draft. I'm not sure Dave Stekowski ever played for the Patriots, just as Gio Camazzi never actually played for the 49ers. But the cautionary tale is that the Patriots had a higher opinion of this tight end from Boise State than they did of Tom Brady, which brings us back to two weeks before the draft, and nobody knows how this whole thing is going to turn out. We won't know until five years from now. That's the crazy part. So even on draft day, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Even after one season, you don't really know how it's going to turn out. I like that cautionary tale. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's needed. I think it's especially needed right now. Have you been checking social media? Because people are... People are riled up right now. Can I, can, I, can I give you a secret here about how I handle social media? You don't, you don't check your mentions. Well, I don't check the mentions too much. And when people get really angry and, and mean, um, that mute button is fantastic. The mute button is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I have used it myself often. Oh, thanks, Mayoko. Now he's gone on mute, and now I've got to do the entire podcast by myself. Oh. Oh, you just unmuted me. Thank you, Laura. Jeez. I, I made some really good points while you couldn't hear me. But You get muted that. on your own podcast. That's what uh, happens around here. That's, that's where you know, my draft stock apparently is falling dramatically. So, well, let's dive into everything that everybody's fiery about. And that's the, the rumor mill that the 49ers want to draft Mac Jones and that mm-hmm. fans generally, according to your expert poll, they want the 49ers to draft Justin Fields. And Justin Fields had a pro day this week because a lot was made of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch going to Tuscaloosa on the same day that Justin Fields had a pro day. They went to Tuscaloosa to see Mac Jones, knowing after their press conference, they said he will have another pro day and we will be in attendance at that one. And that was the case. Yeah, so on Wednesday, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and Rich Scangarello attended Justin Fields' second pro day in Columbus, Ohio. And Scangarello, it was the second time that he's seen Justin Fields throw in person. Uh, the first time was that same day that you mentioned uh, where Mac Jones was having his pro day in Alabama. Uh, and on that day, Scangarello, Adam Peters, who's the 49ers assistant general manager and the director of college, uh, that would be college scouting, Ethan Waugh. Got to shorten his- it. Yeah, yeah, he's the director of college scouting. Um, So he went, they all went to see Justin Fields. And so on this kind of made, I was going to say made for TV, but it was a made for not TV thing because uh, reportedly the 49ers, Jets, Falcons, Broncos, and Patriots were the teams that attended and it wasn't on TV. Although Ohio State's football Instagram did post some video of Justin Fields doing his thing. We've seen the highlights. Uh, My thing after seeing the pro day, sure, you want to see a quarterback that you're scouting in person. You want to do your homework, which they've already done before they see either quarterback or any quarterback at their pro day or in person. My takeaway is there's not anything that they're seeing on Justin Fields or Mac Jones's pro days that they didn't expect to see. I would completely agree. And in fact, you know, looking at those highlights, 
you know, there was that one highlight of, of him, of Justin Fields rolling out to his left, kind of throwing a little bit across his body, but throwing it. I mean, it looked like he threw it out of the building. Uh, that, that was at the uh, Ohio State Fieldhouse. Throws it deep to like a little ant because it's so far away. And it looks like he hits the guy on, in stride. But even uh, the day before Shanahan went to Tuscaloosa, he talked about what he expected to see at Justin Fields Pro Day. And the thing he said was, you know, they have a lot of tape that they can go off of. So, you know, they know the football skills. Um, and he says, we know that he's going to throw it really good in person and he's going to be really fast in person. So I don't think that pro days are at all really about what the player can do on the field because, uh, and even in this case where, you know, they tailored what they asked him to do to some of the specific things in the 49ers playbook, some of the movement plays, some of the plays that they have their, their quarterbacks executing. But I really think the pro day is all about just kind of maybe seeing the ball, you know, pop, you know, seeing it come out of his hands, how he spins it. But more importantly, I think it's just kind of to get a feel for the person, you know, kind of see the personality of the quarterback. And that's probably the one position where you really want to, study a guy and read his body language and see how he relates to teammates. Um, you know, in, in, when you get him on those, these zoom meetings in the past, they would have been able to take him out to dinner and really kind of get to know him and put him at the whiteboard and have him, you know, drawing out plays. Uh, but I think in these zoom meetings, you know, they're, they're really trying to, to get to the essence of the guy and, you know, how does he handle coaching? They would certainly ask him about, you know, some of those games where he had, uh, several interceptions against Indiana and, and Northwestern. I mean, Kyle Shanahan will want to kind of dig in and, you know, what did you see here? What were you taught to do? Why, why did you make that throw? Um, what should you have done? And and kind of get behind, uh, kind of peel the curtain back a little bit into the thought process of, of the player. And also, you know, one of the things that I think quarterbacks have to have at the NFL level is, you know, it's not all glitz and glamour. I mean, there's a lot of hours behind the scenes where it's monotonous, you know, watching film, studying defenses, just kind of learning all the ins and outs of an offense. And I think those are the things that you try to pick up more from a pro day than anything you see on the field. And those throws he made were phenomenal that Ohio State football Instagram put out. But heck, the 49ers already know that this guy can really throw the football. I know I brought this story up a few times, but Nick Mullins, I think, is a good example of the hours that you don't really think about that go into being a quarterback in the NFL. And even though he's not a starter, you have to prepare each and every day like you are one. And Justin Fields is certainly stepping into a much different role than, than what Nick Mullins would be in. But I think it's a good barometer to think about the hours and to think about how you have to be prepared for every single moment. And if you're a starter in the NFL, you're preparing – like a starter in the NFL, but it is the meeting rooms. It is the hours of film outside of the building. You have your iPad, you know, what are you doing? Are you, you know, gaming or are you watching film? And there's time for both. There's time for your personal life as well. Um, I, I also think on a pro day, you're getting the sense of how commanding is this person? Does he command a room? Mm -hmm. Which I assume that he probably would being that everything that I've heard from a leadership aspect on his team at Ohio State, he certainly was that. Those are things that you can't really get a feel for on Zoom or 
you know, without being in person and really getting to talk to the guy. 49ers Talk is brought to you by Planet Orange, effective, eco-friendly pest control. You know, there are a couple kind of pet peeves I have during the draft process. I mean, if you know anything about me, Laura, it's that uh, things get under my skin uh, quite easily. And then, you know, I I wrestle around with it and and can't, uh, you know, function. uh, Where are we going with this? (laughs) Pet peeves. Pet peeves. I have um, pet peeves as well. Well, one of my pet peeves is, you know, this whole notion of, you know, players rising and falling in the draft. And it's it's based entirely off of the mock drafts that, of course, are put together by people who are not in the NFL and don't know what NFL teams are thinking. And then all of a sudden, whenever, you know, these people change their minds or there's actual genuine information out there, that maybe a team likes this guy better than that guy, then it becomes this whole thing of, oh, this guy's rising or this guy's falling. And the other part about this that really, to me, there's no such thing as a a guy rising and a falling. Maybe if there's something in a guy's background or an injury situation that that comes up, yeah, there there might be uh, draft boards kind of – you know, kind of tinkered with to reflect that. But, you know, Kyle Shanahan is like probably every coach in the NFL. He doesn't look into the draft at all until his season is over. And so basically in a general, you know, usual year, about a week before the NFL scouting combine in mid-February, the personnel departments of teams, you know, give – uh, position specific binders to the coaches and all the film they need to, okay, go ahead and make your evaluation. And so it really isn't until then that the coaches for each specific team are able to start looking at the prospects and say, oh, this is the guy I like. And so the, this whole notion of guys rising and falling are, are completely overrated. And with this particular draft, I think what you've seen is, you know, it sure seems like Trevor Lawrence is, you know, the consensus number one overall pick. Some people might think another quarterback is better, what have you. It it also kind of seems like Zach Wilson is kind of the consensus number two right now. And I'm sure some teams might uh, have somebody else. I can guarantee you that people disagree with that. Yeah. That's one thing I'm sure of. Right. But then I, I also think that, let's just say that, you know, well, the Jaguars and the Jets pick one and two. So then you have 30 teams out there uh, who, you know, aren't necessarily going to get the quarterback that, that they want, uh, not necessarily the quarterback, you know, number one or two on their list. But of those other 30 teams, I mean, you might have, you know, Justin Fields will probably have, 10 or more teams that have him ranked number one or number three, I guess that would be Trey Lance might have a right around 10 and Mac Jones might have right around 10. So I think it's a really, I wouldn't say an even split and, and how would we even know, but I think it really is like Baskin Robbins, you know, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream that's the one I'm going to pick. And what's your fla- your favorite flavor of quarterback? That's the one that each team would have ranked above the others. By the way, what is your favorite Baskin-Robbins flavor? 
You know what? I'm, I'm a big Rocky Road guy. Jamoke Almond yeah. Fudge. Yeah. I'm interested to hear uh, anyone else that wants to weigh in. That You will not be muted on Twitter if you send us your Baskin-Robbins flavor. I, I like what you're saying about this because I also think it ties into something that Kyle Shanahan talked about at that press day that him and John, when him and John Lynch sat down. And that was that his wife was getting frustrated with him because she thought that John Lynch and Kyle were having the same conversation 10 times a day. Yeah. And I think that's some good insight into the fact that this marinates over time. So it sounds like they're having the same conversation, but in, and this was leading up to the trade with the Dolphins. Mm. But I imagine similar things are happening now as they're discussing quarterbacks. That it probably sounds like the same conversation over and over and over again. But as you give time to things and as you continue to watch more film, maybe you start to see something that you didn't see before, or maybe you find that a guy might fit better in your system that two weeks ago you didn't have time to look into you know, the game from back in the fall. But now that you've had the chance to, you start to see other things. So I think that people changing their minds is something that's going to happen. It's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And like you said, that was a good point to bring up that Kyle Shanahan is first and foremost, the head coach of the 49ers. So while on Saturdays, you might be able to sit back and watch some college football games, he's worried about what's happening on Sunday and making sure that the game plan's there and making sure that practice is running effectively and there are only so many hours in a day. So he doesn't get the chance to evaluate these people. And sure, he, he's seen highlights. He's, uh, he got to work with Justin Fields a, a few years ago. So he knows of these guys. It's not that. But he doesn't have all of the time in the fall during the, the NFL season to be able to evaluate. So I think over the weeks leading up to the draft, yes, opinions are going to change. Yes, conversations are going to be had and, and marinating of highlights is going to happen. And then that could in, in turn change their perspective about who they think is the best quarterback for their team. Yeah, we had a really good conversation with Adam Schefter um, on the last 49ers talk podcast. So check that out where we talk about that, where, you know, it clearly for the team to move up from 12 to three, there was agreement within the organization of which guy they were moving up for. And taking Kyle Shanahan at his word, he said that there were three quarterbacks that they moved up for, um, knowing that they would get one of those three. And then if a fourth or a fifth entered the conversation, then you know they, they have to make a decision. But clearly they moved up for one guy specifically. They had done enough homework on that one player that they liked him. That's one player in addition to Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And then if the other two quarterbacks kind of show themselves to be uh, what Kyle Shanahan would consider, you know, a perfect fit for his offense or a guy that he wants to work with or a guy that can help take the 49ers to the next level, then that kind of expands that, that conversation. But yeah, that's, that's where we're at right now is that no, nobody has reported that the 49ers are taking this guy or that guy. Uh, we, we can read between the lines and, and what people tell us and, and what we're hearing uh, where the 49ers are leaning, but that's, that's what it is right now. I mean, it's, it's speculation. Um, you know, it's maybe it's some um, uh, educated informed, informed in, in, speculation. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it, it is informed. Um, but, you know, one of the things that's come up in all this is that 
um, I heard one of the national guys talking about kind of nationwide how Justin Fields is a very polarizing prospect and how, um, you know, some people view him as, you know, potentially the second best player in this draft or the second best quarterback and other people not so high on him. But I don't think he's polarizing at all, or at least, you know, I'm sure to some people who, who care about the 49ers and are 49er fans. Yeah. Some people would rather the 49ers select this guy or that guy, but he seems to be really the popular choice. Um, whereas, you know, the, the gentleman from Alabama, um, I mean, I just mentioned his name on, on social media and I, I go and, you know, I, I find, uh, I you go gotta into put the, that mute button to work. I go, I put the mute button to work. I go into the cellar and lock the hatch, you know, ready for the tornado to hit. I know we're not in big tornado territory here, but I well, kind of feel, is. yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting in a, in the sense that people get so worked up about this, that, you know, it's, uh, they're taking it very personally uh, of just w- which quarterbacks are being talked about for the 49ers. I get it. I get it. I mean, this franchise had Joe Montana, had Steve Young. Mm-hmm. You had Jeff Garcia. You, and, you have- and you know what, Laura? I'm going I'm to interrupt you there. When Jeff Garcia was here, I mean, he, he took a lot of you know, there's a lot of BS that he, that he had to put up with because even though he went to three Pro Bowls with the 49ers, uh, I forget if it's three in three years or three in a four-year period, for a lot of people here, he wasn't good enough, you know, because he wasn't Joe Montana. He wasn't, you know, winning in Super Bowls. He wasn't Steve Young. But Jeff Garcia, our colleague, was a really good quarterback. In fact, the 49ers have not had a quarterback even sniffing a pro bowl since Jeff Garcia. Yeah. That's, and that's my point is I I understand what, where the passion comes from. People care about this franchise. You know, it's the glory days. You want to get the 49ers. If you're a Niners fan back to the glory days, and this is the opportunity it's right at their fingertips, but you have to trust that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan know what they're doing. And I think that's where we've talked about the distrust a little bit. And I don't necessarily think, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I don't necessarily think it's distrust specifically for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I think any time a franchise has a decision of this magnitude that could potentially, will potentially impact this franchise for years to come, whether good or bad, people are going to get passionate about it. And I, I get where the passion comes from. There's nothing we can do about it except for wait for the draft, people. Yeah, and I mean, the, the fact of the matter is the teams are working with a heck of a lot more information than we have. And not only just information about the prospect, but also you know, how they envision a certain prospect fitting. But the fact of the matter is, you know, for every Gio Carmazzi, there's going to be a Tom Brady and vice versa. And so you know, anyone it, back in 20... Uh, 2000, the year 2000, could have said, oh, I like Tom Brady. You know, I saw him play at Michigan. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. You know, nobody saw Hofstra play. Um, but if someone had had the opinion like, oh, Brady's better than than Carmazzi, um, at the time, people would have been thinking, oh, you know, no, that's not the case. Mayoko's lost his marbles. Yeah, is what but in retrospect – 
you know, in retrospect, a, a casual observer can actually be right, you know, maybe not as much, but as much, I guess you could say, uh, as an NFL team, because we all can have an opinion and, you know, the, the, there's enough swings and misses from NFL personnel to allow the layman or the, the person who's a football fan, casual or otherwise, to be right uh, when an NFL team is wrong. I hate to break it to everyone. We're not going to be right all the time, and neither are you. <laughs> so, And neither is John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan. It's yeah. part of it. I always think of baseball players and just how many times you fail throughout a baseball game. But it's the home run. It's the double. It's the single you know, that drives in a run. I mean, you fail so much more than you succeed. And I'm not saying that that's equivalent to what, you know, a number three overall pick in the draft. You really have to get this right. And I do believe that. I think this is a legacy pick for Lynch and Shanahan. But think about all the times that you fail. You don't get it right every time. And they've had some misses in the draft. And that's well documented. And they know that better than we do. Yeah. They want to prove themselves more than, more than anyone else in the world because they want to make sure that they get this one right. Yeah, I mean, if if you succeed three out of 10 times and you're a surgeon, you know, they're making documentaries about you, um, not in a good way. If you if you succeed three out of 10 times and you're a baseball player as a batter, you, you're, you're going to the Hall of Fame. And if you're up probably around 40% when it comes to personnel decisions, you know, you're also going to be viewed as, as one of the top executives in, of the game. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And, and we'll, we'll get into this in future podcasts, although our podcasts are, are running out uh, before draft day. But we'll get into a little bit more of these quarterbacks and, and what they bring to the table. Um, but, you know, here's, I don't know, should we even talk about the last 10 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Laura? Yes, yes, let's do it. Why not? Yeah, and, and here's the thing is that, you know, we talk about this – this change in the NFL to the, the guys who can, you know, the quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, who can make plays with their legs, keep plays alive. But when you look at the, the last 10 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, you know, four, of course, are, are uh, Carmazzi. Uh, no, take that back. I think it's actually Brady. Uh, for it's Tom definitely, Brady. I think it was, yeah, Brady – Yes, Brady for sure. Yeah, Brady for sure. Uh, and then you have Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, and Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. So basically eight out of the last 10 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks have been kind of this, this style of quarterback that we'll, we will be debating here up until draft day and probably beyond. But the question becomes, what about the next 10 years? Yeah. You know, is there going to be this shift where, you know, Drew Brees is no longer in the league at some point in the year, what, 2050s, uh, Tom Brady will no, no longer be in the, in the league. So is there going to be this shift where you need quarterbacks that who of course can make plays in the pocket, but maybe take more sacks, but they play, they keep plays alive longer. Maybe, Maybe like you said, maybe make more big plays. Um, you know, you, you can take more strikeouts, I guess, in today's Major League Baseball as long as you're hitting more home runs. And maybe that's the way teams are going to be going 
Um, some teams have already gone there a, a little bit, but we'll see what the, the future holds at that position. Yeah, just to give you an idea on where this conversation happened. So after we taped the podcast one day, Miyoko and I just, we typically stay on here and talk for a little bit. And we started talking about that. And I was tasked with looking at some Justin Fields highlights. And that was very enjoyable, as you might imagine. Just incredibly talented. And I start saying that and probably how a lot of 49ers fans feel. You know, why would the 49ers not go for a guy that's able to do both? Why would you not want to do both? If you have a guy that can do just one or both, why would you not want a guy that can do both? Mm-hmm. And so Mayoko brought this up and I, you know, it does make you stop and think because this is the real history. This is really what's happened. It's not just a belief. It's not just a thought. It's the facts. And the facts are that eight out of the 10 quarterbacks are more pocket passers yeah. and not saying that they don't have the ability to do other things, but they're well, not. Well, they really don't. I mean, they're not, those guys they're, are I mean, they're not, not Patrick Mahomes. No, and no, they're not, and they're not you know, they're breaking not outside. Wilson. Yeah. They're not breaking outside the pocket. They're not making plays with their, their legs. They're, you know, by and large, they're guys who just kind of move uh, within the size of a boxing ring to kind of create enough space to, to throw passes, you know, to, to get, passes off to open receivers so yeah, and, they, um, and they do it at an elite level and they see things that you know what separates Tom Brady from a quarterback who's a pocket passer and isn't as successful he sees things and studies things and knows defenses you know there are a number of things that go into that but I thought that was really I think it's really powerful to bring that up but it is the question of what about the next 10 years we don't have that answer but when you look ahead to the next 10 years you know, my general belief is that you would think that it starts mm-hmm. to go towards the more Patrick Mahomes type of player. But is that going to be the case? Because the past history speaks for itself. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to have because then you also have to look at, okay, if a, if a guy's running more, um, it does, is he subjected to more injuries, uh, might his longevity be impacted by that. So those, those are things too, that, that have to be considered. And I mean, I guess we won't know until, you know, another 10 years, let's, let's make a mental note right now, Laura, I'll put it in the calendar. So the, uh, let's, let's go the year 2031 uh, sometime in, in mid April. Let's, okay. let's revisit this conversation. I like and, it. We'll still be the, doing 49ers talk. Oh, no question. And in the meantime, uh, let's now hear hear from Big O Tires. And when we return, Laura and I will discuss what's cooking around the NFL with the offseason program. At Big O Tires, you can trust that you're getting a good deal. Now buy three, get one free on select sets of tires with installation purchase. Plus pay nothing today with easy and affordable financing options for nearly any budget. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Dish and Sling customers. Don't miss a game this season on NBC Sports Bay Area and NBC Sports California. Don't miss your A's, your Giants, your Kings, your Sharks, your Warriors. To keep watching your favorite teams, go to howtowatchnbcsports.com. We are back on 49ers Talk. And Laura, there are one team, a, uh, an intense rival of the 49ers, has already decided, at least their players have, that they're going to skip on-field work uh, for the off-season program. So um, th- that's very interesting that the Seattle Seahawks have joined the Denver Broncos, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Detroit Lions. And I would suspect there will be other uh, teams 
um, that will make that announcement through the NFL Players Association. We don't know about the 49ers yet, but uh, they, they've decided that they're not going to participate in off-season workouts due to safety concerns. Yeah, this is such a personal decision. It's something that we talked about a lot last year with some players deciding to opt out of the season due to COVID, and that carries on to this year. I think as a team, they have to come together and, and make a decision for themselves. Some teams probably feel like they do want to be in person and are going to be more productive that way. And I know that the NFL has has protocols and daily testing, just like they did last year. I don't think that's going away at all. Um, I know they've encouraged the staff to be vaccinated, all staff personnel to get their COVID-19 vaccinations. This is just, it's still weird times that we're living in and you got to take it day by day and you got to figure it out as you go. And that's, I'm sure what all 32 teams around the league are trying to do right now. What's going to be best for our players our staff, our personnel, and what works best for our team. And this is, it's kind of a tricky situation because there is no doubt in my mind that a good number of 49ers players, and I mean, I'm even thinking of some guys' names in my mind, but I'm not going to say them, who would want to be part of the off-season program and who want to get out on the field and who want to do this. But there's also this, you know, the union um, you know, they want to also stay in lockstep with the rest of the league and not kind of put themselves out there and, and kind of do what uh, the rest of the players in the league kind of believe is, is in the, the greater good uh, that benefits the players in the long run. So it, it is kind of a tricky situation of what these teams are, are going to decide. And, and I mentioned the, the teams that have already said they're not going to take part in the offseason program. I just wonder how much pushback there was among individual players from each of those teams. Cause I'm sure there are many players on those teams that would rather be out there practicing and, and playing and being around the fellas instead of just working out on their own. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of these guys. I mean, that's the enjoyment they get from the game is being around their teammates and, and building towards something. And then also you have, you know, the rookies, who don't have a say in the matter right now. I mean, all those guys want to get into the playbook, which they'll be able to do virtually, but also just getting out on the field and running those patterns or, uh, you know, creating chemistry with the veteran next to you. So uh, those are the kinds of things that, that each team is going to have to come to grips with on their own. But I can't imagine that it's fully unanimous among no. players on these teams. No, there's no way. And that takes away, you know, part of the excitement, the brotherhood, you start, you know, getting in the trenches with these guys and you have conversations, you get to know their families, it takes a lot away from that. So it'll just depend on, on every team. So I want to give you guys a little bit of an insight into what the memo that the 32 teams got on Wednesday. So there, there are three phases that they sent out. First phase, phase one is four weeks. That's April 19th through May 14th. Um, virtual meetings for two hours per day at the club's discretion. Then you've got phase two, May 17th through May 21st. That could be on-field drills with permitted coaches that, are, that can be there. And then phase three is 10 days of traditional OTAs at full speed, no contact, and then you can have in-person or virtual meetings. So that was those were the three phases that the NFL sent out in their memo to the 32 teams. And to make it kind of 49ers centric, because after all, this is 49ers talk. 
the 49ers are going to have a rookie quarterback. They are going to have the number three overall pick in this draft. And um, right now, Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the 49ers roster. But I would think in order for any quarterback that they select to have any chance to open the season as the starter, that guy's going to need those OTAs. He's going to need the on-field work with the coaches and his teammates. And so if, if the teams that we mentioned kind of follow through and the rest of the teams follow suit, I think it's, I would think, although I'm going to contradict myself, I would think it'd be tough for a rookie quarterback to step in there. However, as I'm talking about this, I'm also remembering that last year was completely virtual and Joe Burrow was a starter week one for the Bengals and Justin Herbert took over just a couple weeks into the season and had one of the one of the greatest if not the greatest season for a rookie quarterback that we've seen in the NFL that's true I haven't really thought about it like that I just think about the difficulty that those rookies face and it is more of a challenge I would think to not be able to be around the organization as much as you would in a typical season, but I still am under the impression that Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter for the 49ers in week one. And I haven't, I haven't strayed from that yet. Not saying that when things marinate for me, maybe I'll be able to, maybe I'll stray from that. But for right now, I still think it's Jimmy G for all the reasons that have been talked about so many times with the, the playbook that Kyle Shanahan has. If you've got Jimmy Garoppolo there, why not use him and, and use him as an asset to be able to bring this other rookie quarterback, give him some time to be able to be brought into the system and get to know players and get to know the team. So I still think it's Jimmy G, but, and, and even more so, even though you just mentioned, you know, that rookie quarterbacks can be successful during a COVID time. It's just difficult. It's yeah. hard. I mean, if you haven't been around the facility, you know, going to a new facility, figuring out everything, I know that sounds stupid, but it, it's a factor and it's part of it. And you got to get in a rhythm and find a house, find a place to live. All of those things are factors when you think about a rookie starting somewhere that they've never been really going to a new team in general, but especially for a rookie who's never been in the league. And now your eyes are open to this huge operation. So you're saying Jimmy Garoppolo right now is going to be the starter, but you reserve the right as you gather more information to change your mind. Let marinate, uh, let information marinate and then yeah. who knows, but yeah, I'm sticking with Jimmy G is going to be the week one. Yeah. So that, that open-mindedness, I think Laura is a sign of greatness and that's why I will forever refer to you as the goat. I'll take it. Now, the if we can just find, eating. if we can just find a goat farmer that can, oh no, I didn't go there. Did I? Oh, you did. But we, I really, we got to do a field trip for sure. Okay. Field trip. Thanks for listening to 49ers Talk with Matt Mayoko and Laura Britt. Please rate, review, and subscribe for free on your podcast provider. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.